This episode of Hammerlock Podcast with Tyson Dukes is brought to you by Hammerlock Apparel. Visit hammerlockapparel.com today. Today's episode, we talk about the psychology of wrestling holds, trusting your opponent, hair gel, and cutting wood for winter. It's Brian Danielson against Nigel McInnes for the Ring of Honor title. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Scotty D here once again with our good, good friend Tyson Dukes. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, Scotty. It's a beautiful day. Well, actually, it's very cold here. It's uh, Canadian weather is starting to hit us hard um, with, um, I'm not going to say we're Alberta or Winnipeg because those are harsh climates, but it's no longer t-shirt weather. It is layered weather. Uh, We're coming into November and you know how that gets. You know how crazy that gets. So um, we're doing all right, though. Everybody seems to be content. We're cozy in this house, which is nice. Good. Yeah, I had to turn the old uh, heat on the other day for the first time. Not uh, not something you look forward to, but it is what it is living up here. It's you know what I like. You know what uh, the kids wouldn't know nowadays. They wouldn't have no idea. But it's like my father used to say. I could still hear him to this day say. Hey, Don, well, that was my mom. So, hey, Don, can you throw another log on the fire? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like nobody would get, like in this day and age, would get that reference unless they're watching a Pioneer movie. Yep. But I don't know about you, Scotty, living out east, but that's how I grew up. I grew up with the old uh, log fire type scenario. Oh, yeah. Well, we had a wood furnace, but I remember cutting wood all summer long as a kid, splitting oh, yeah. it, just piling the shit out of it. It was, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> it was for long Major summer. Major old man. Yeah. It wasn't good, but uh, anyway, I guess toughens you up for sure. Yep. But uh, yep, it's pretty nice now. Just crank the thermostat up a little bit and uh, enjoy. <laughs> Much easier. With, with the push of a button, he yep. says. Yeah. Here we are, instant comfort. That's right. So this episode, we are going back to the old Ring of Honor. Yes. Yes, we are. Today's a great day. Uh, we're taking more of a modern modern approach to professional wrestling we watch it like you know me scotty i love the luthez stuff as i get older the more i like to um uh watch and enjoy the older stuff the stuff that are our roots the roots of professional wrestling um big fan of all that stuff the old uh, buddy rogers the luthez is all that stuff even like reading stuff about hack and schmidt and the first ever world champions is kind of a is a real big thing for me i really i enjoy all that stuff so Today, we're taking a more modern approach to uh, our pro wrestling podcast and our, our breakdown of a match. And it will be today, Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, as he was known, against uh, Nigel McGuinness. This is for, uh, for ROH. What is the year on this, Scotty? What are we looking at here again, year-wise? It is 2008. Ah, see, that's I not believe. that long ago. Yeah, yeah right. So if no. you want to follow along, you can find this match. It's on Ring of Honor Wrestling uh, is the name of the YouTube channel. And the name of the video is ROH Anniversary Flashback, Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness, ROH World Title. The total length of the match, video, the video is 32 minutes, 44 seconds. So get that lined up. What were you doing at this uh, point in your career, 2008? Early, it was early 2008. I think I was out, just out of my... Uh impact my tna impact contract and was going to japan so this would be around the time that i was in really good shape very muscular at this point doing more of a bodybuilding style uh workout regime um trying to get as big as possible and i was in uh working for zero one uh at the time so it's after this uh i do believe that this is around the time that i I had signed with uh, impact wrestling i had uh, been let go from impact because creative had nothing for me <laughs> hilarious uh that's that's a joke in the business um and then we went from uh creative has nothing for you to going to japan and and then eventually uh setting up shop a lot in ring of honor and having a lot of great matches out of that company as well so ring of honor i'm just looking up on wikipedia here uh started in 2002 
Mm-hmm. So we're six years into the uh, existence of this organization. What was like, I had kind of have a peripheral understanding of it. It was kind of founded under the idea of old school wrestling. Was that, or athletic style wrestling, I guess. Uh, it's more, it's more of a sports based professional wrestling. So it's more competitive, competitive, competitive combat okay. is the idea. So this is more of, um, it was kind of like, cause they used to do the thing where you couldn't break on the, you could only have so many breaks on the rope which is kind of a pan craze rule uh, from Japan and world of sport kind of where it's more ruly that way, where there'd be more knockouts and stuff like that. So it was more of a, is definitely a more combat based uh, company more so than characters and storylines. They went for actual athletic uh, wrestling, like very knowledgeable guys that like to do a lot of stuff like young guys they did a lot of stuff, but they did, uh, they were very educated and very athletic and solid, just a solid company. Like, like one of my favorite places to work, I think was ROH. I enjoyed the roster a lot under, um, uh, Adam Pierce was the booker at the time. I did get called back later on after Adam had left, but, um, it just, it was just, uh, just a bunch of young guys wanted to do the best they could and, uh, put on the best matches for the fans, not even for themselves, even just a real drive to be, to be the best in the world uh, and have the best company. So it was solid. It's solid place. Very good. What, uh, and what made you pick this match for the podcast today? Well, you know what, here's the deal, everybody, we are going to, now you're going to shift on your boy Tyson today. And I will tell you why. But then I'm going to explain myself why. First of all, I don't have to explain myself. That's the first thing. So you can go suck an egg and walk on if you're all insulted. Um, I don't. I don't need to. Uh, I don't have to explain myself. But I will explain myself, or for the people uh, that want to learn more and to get a little bit more knowledge in our business, because I'm all about preserving professional wrestling the way it was and the way that it makes money because i would like to see this strive on long after i'm dead and gone i would love professional wrestling to stay alive instead of being cirque du soleil or cirque du so lame as it is right now <laughs> um so uh, it's a uh, um i totally lost my point with a cirque du soleil so um, you said like uh, mr cornet there with that little huff you ever hear when he's on the yeah. podcast like, that was exactly yeah, yeah. Right I, listen, I'm, I'm in way better health than Cornette, so don't you know what I mean? It's not one of those things, it's like a frustration thing, like, <laughs> yeah, it basically, yes, it's very frustrating. Um, what was the question again? I'm totally what, lost on why'd you pick this match, and then you were talking oh, about preserving the wrestling business, myself. making sure guys can make money and stuff like that, yes, because I, I had to explain myself, but I don't want to explain myself. <laughs> um, here's the deal. Uh, I first picked this match because I remember this match watching it back way back when and it really, really enjoying it because uh, Daniel Bryan will never, Bryan Danielson at the time, it will uh, never go for Nigel McGuinness's head uh, in this match because uh, Nigel had had a concussion and he was trying to honor that. So there's a, there's a code of honor with Ring of Honor. Um, and so that's the big story and that leads into the finish and the, and the finish, I will say this is brilliant. I love the finish of this match. Um, I think it's very, very good. Uh, there are a lot of points to this match that I don't like, and I just rewatching it and I rewatched it a couple of times and was kind of disappointed in myself. I'm like, Oh, this is the one I picked. No, this is not, but it's a, I don't want it this cause I don't like to shit on anything. But here, here, here we are on this day with two, two top performers, two very, very solid human beings in the ring and very knowledgeable uh, and gone on to major, major success. And I'm about to pick on it, but I'm not picking on it to pick on these two or to get any kind of uh, uh, rub from picking on these two gentlemen. The idea is I would love people to understand why there's a little lack of flow in this match and why, um, why you should do things a little differently. Cause I, I, again, I'm all about preservation of pro wrestling. Cause this match, I think they had such great chemistry. It could have been a little bit better than what it was. Uh, if that makes any sense. However, the beginning and the end, and that's the most important part is your finish is off the charts. Good. So 
um, that's it. That's my rant of that. There'll good. be more rants, though, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, let's get into it. We'll get a little constructive criticism in hindsight's never a bad thing, especially understanding okay. we have the ability to kind of sit and watch this thing while instead of, you know, they're doing it in the moment under the bright lights. So it, uh, most, it's never, most definitely. I think most people definitely. understand that. So it's not not necessarily shitting on it and we won't make any videos called titled Tyson Dukes shoots on Brian Danielson as a way right. to gain traffic. It's uh, it's, it's all for the good of understanding and learnings. Let's exactly. jump into this bad boy. Unless you got anything else you want to mention beforehand. No, I, you know what it's, and it's only because uh, being off so long and being able to watch more wrestling and understand more wrestling, because if I had, uh, if I was just uh, busy doing my work, I would just continue to be doing the, what, the work that I did that got me jobs. Mm-hmm. However, um, if you're looking at it uh, from where I see it now and have studied so much since March, see, since coming home from Europe and being closed down, uh, I got more and more of an understanding and more history I've done of it. Uh, even, even my stuff up to last year, I'm not happy with a lot of it because now my train of thought has completely switch my direction my focus and so like even if you pick a bunch of my matches i'm going to just pick the shit out of them so no it'd be no different if it was mcginnis danison triple h Shawn michaels or tyson dukes i'm just going to tear anything apart that doesn't seem to flow with the focus that i'm looking for but that's it Right on. All right, let's get into this thing uh, quickly before we start. So the the concussion was that a like a legit concussion issue or was it an angle? I do believe it was legit. Okay, I do believe that was all legit because I know that uh, Nigel's used to go super hard and he used mm-hmm. to actually break his head open hard way on the post. Oh. and oh yeah, just crazy, absolute madness, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, they they try to keep him away from the brain, and then commentary picks this up a bunch of times mm-hmm. and really makes makes a note of it. So it's not like it goes uh, like where people don't understand. All right, let's do it. So. Like I said, it's called ROH Anniversary Flashback. Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. ROH World Title. We'll count it down and hit play at the same time. So five, four, three, two, one, play. See, you know what? I love this Scott Bundy. I like it. Scotty Bundy. King Kong, Scotty Bundy. That's when you give me the five now. Yeah. Yeah, right? That's the best. Yeah. So right away, we're going to have them start out, like, and very much so with uh, Ring of Honor. They do the, the Code of Honor, uh, which is always a handshake in the middle, it's a gentleman's agreement. This is going to be a gentleman contest. Uh, it holds a lot of that sportsmanship, um, shaking of hands. It was a real big deal back then with the company. And I think in a lot of places without character-driven stuff, it should be the same. It's the same mm-hmm. as touching gloves when you box. Do we have a heel baby face here? Is it? Oh, uh... uh, this is yes, most definitely. Uh, Danielson will be the baby face. Yeah. Like not very often in his career was he a heel with his company. Only with the feud when he was feuding with CZW. McGinnis has always been the asshole, right? When you're a foreigner, it's just so much easier. When you're yeah. from the UK and you're in America, and the guy you're working is American, it's easy. Yeah, I love that trap. Do you, now you're gonna see some really, really good. Uh, solid chain wrestling here. It's not my style where I like to be wicked, wicked uh, aggressive and intense, but it's more scientific and there's nothing wrong with that. It just is more of a Cortez, Cortez kind of feel, uh, Steve Gray feel where it's uh, not only educating, but it's, it's smooth movements to show that they're, they re- they're, it's like a chess game. So you'll see Nigel do this a ton where he pulls out the chin. And I've, I've adopted a lot of that in my stuff as well, where it's always, you always move a human being by their neck and their, um, and their hips. So you'll see him do it a lot. He'll, he's going to pull out that chin a lot. Nice little spot by Danielson, of course, in the drop kick in the knee. The best part of the, about the start is it's great pro wrestling. It's great chain wrestling. It's good all-around wrestling that really educates you but also shows that they're being they're in there they're you know, they're they're trying to feel each other out but then they take their time so after that drop kick in the knee he doesn't get right back into it he doesn't oversell the knee he sits there for a minute takes his time to get up yeah it's all that's all to, good stuff gives the crowd a chance to appreciate it too oh yeah most definitely yeah uh, it, and there. that's right yeah you gotta you gotta it's if 
if you don't, if you don't get to, if you don't have uh, the opportunity to let them breathe for a minute while you, so that you can breathe, then they'll get lost in it. People still get lost. Excellent. Excellent job. Like that ankle pick is a great, great way to get a guy down. We'll be going over that in our tutorials too, Scotty. We're going to have to pick that one too. Ankle pick is uh, highly underused. It should be used more. It's different from a single leg. It's a just nice little takedown. Of course, he's going to go for that bow and arrow on his knees, which is uh, another one that I like to use a lot. Um, uh, I do like – I love a lot of uh, Danielson's work. McGinnis is solid, but uh, Danielson's one of those guys that is just is just a top-notch dude. He's like a top-notch, like, pro wrestler. A little bit shorter than most. Like, he's, he's a shorter guy, but just so, so solid in ring. And I was just – uh, constant commitment to pro wrestling excellence. Um, even to this day, even with the yes, yes, yes stuff that he was doing in the past, it was still uh, his wrestling. He really, he really committed to everything that he did. Mm-hmm. Of course, we got ourselves old neck vice there. He's got both hands trapped. Uh, I do believe there's going to be a snap mirror here. He's going to bump him over because that's what they always do. This nice little spot here. It's going to rip him over. Yeah, there he goes. Boom. And he catches him. Excellent. Nice and smooth. But these guys have worked a bunch of times, too, Scotty. This isn't yep. their first. They got a bunch. Of, they, they had a series of matches in the U.K. as well, and they were really solid. There's McGinnis going for that lariat. He's known for that lariat. Um, and of course, there's nothing to be had. And you'll see it later on. We're going to see it where he actually stiffs. Danielson and takes him kind of out of character where he swears at him, where he, he hits him like right across the face with a clothesline, just like unnecessary. I always feel that stuff is unnecessary. Clothesline's not that hard to accomplish. You can go high and tight without hitting a guy in the face, but it's yeah. their own, I guess. There's a little bit of like the we just it just passed, but some of the psychology you talk about heel versus baby face where. Uh, McGinnis kicks the ropes out of frustration while Danielson celebrates outsmarting him. It's uh, without even hearing it, you can just tell by watching who's the baby face, who's the heel. Right. And it's very tiny, right? Yeah. It, 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 that, those are the subtleties that I love, but we're about to get into the stuff that I'm not going to really enjoy as much um, because uh, I'm glad, I'm so super happy that you brought that point up that little subtle little uh, mannerisms where it's not over the top. Um, are awesome and I love that stuff but we're about to break into stuff where they're either I don't know if they were lost or they're just uh, trying to get wind or if they're just trying to um, get more time out of it but there's a lot of I'll show you when it comes up I'll, I'll make sure to make a note of it and point it out but there's a few things where it, it kind of falls apart a, a little bit mm. and I don't understand why because this beginning is so great like this is like everything's so solid yeah, so there he goes, breaking on the ropes. Now, this is ROH um, later on. So this is many years after they started. So um, they're allowed to have rope breaks. They don't count the rope breaks. Before, it was only three. If you, you could only have three, and then you couldn't break on the ropes anymore, and then you'd have to tap. You'd either tap out. So and that's how Nigel McGinnis beat Samoa Joe for the title. Mm-hmm. I do remember that match. It was pretty solid as well, but that's all it was is – he got uh, Samoa Joe to grab the ropes three times, and he couldn't break, and so he had to submit. But uh, Joe made the ropes, which adds so much compelling story. Like, oh, I could like if I hadn't have hit those ropes, I could have, I could have won. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's kind of neat. It was a, it's a neat feature, and then, I, uh, like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I wish it was back. I honestly do. I wish there was all, it was back, but it's for a smarter audience. Um, right. uh, such as world of sport with all the rules and the rounds. So you need a really educated to your craft kind of place. You can't just jump from town to town and expect people to know these rules. So right. that's why, that's why it gets a little rough. Yeah. Of course, McGinnis with a little bit of heat. Um, that's the first part that, um, uh, see, this is, these are the things that I'm not enjoying about this match. Uh, right there. I love that 
and he used to kick people there. They used to come into him and he'd drop kick them, of course, with a friggin' super hard drop kick. Uh, Danielson catches him. And then this is Pat and Brian Danielson. There it is. The missile uh, suicide, a suicide dive through the ropes. And when she catches him, hits those, those ungodly sharp guardrails, of course, as I've mentioned before in mm-hmm. podcast in uh, last time with Tyler Black. Here we are, missile drop kick flat back in it which is the best way to do it and i keep up beauty how are the ring of honor rings compared to other rings uh usually well the ones that i know of like that we're using canada were uh, like people like companies in canada uh-huh. uh, so promotions would give them their ring so a lot of the times it would just be the the turnbuckles and the the apron and stuff and the canvas they wouldn't have it would be somebody's ring different ring every time yeah which is neat for these guys to be super solid at what they do and continue to do what they do because every ring is different and you have to always adjust. So it's really weird. So to be as good as they are and move around as well as they do, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh-huh. And there, there he's milking it now because of his head. He's milking the whole situation because he's took that back suplex. It wasn't that hard, but like, of course he was on his back. He didn't try to put him on his brains, but he's complaining. Great heel stuff. That's good stuff. That's really good. Of course, here it is. Here we're gonna see some Healy stuff here now. Oh, um, of course, the referee is out. So this is this is supposed to be the end of the match. So they call the match. Of course, Danielson's gonna be pissed um, because uh, like this is for the world title. McGinnis has the title. Uh, he doesn't want to wrestle him anymore. He's like playing the baby card. Like, oh my God, my head hurts. Oh, I'm not doing this anymore. The ref tells him to get in the ring. And then he boots him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> so he's out. Um, this is going to add to a little bit of promo. So uh, while they're doing this whole thing, where because they're going to bide some time, because he's going to cut a little promo here and then leave. And then there's going to be another promo telling them to get back in the ring and they get another referee out there. Um, so, uh, before that back suplex, uh, you see the parts that I don't like. So before that drop kick, uh, that sent McGinnis out of the ring, I'm not a fan of just walking away from your opponent like that. When he's in the corner there. Yeah. When he's in the corner and that heat wasn't extensive, that heat wasn't long. The cell wasn't that, uh, intense. Like he's not dying. He's not crawling for his life like a Ricky Steamboat on the ropes. Why are you turning your back on him? The Terry Taylor story comes to mind where you just get uh, like a big old punch in the back of the head. Um, so I, I'm not, not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of like, if you're in a competitive contest and this is a competitive business and this is the, the place to do it, why, why are you, why, why milk something like that? That, that build that build that you were trying to build for, you lose it a bit. Now watch this. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not a fan of this. Why would you turn your back on him there? Yeah. I don't understand why you wouldn't get back in the ring and then go right to it. And this is another thing I don't understand. Uh, Danielson is trying to just work over the chest, the body, the legs, the arm, um, and like, look at this. Danielson does the same thing. He turns away. He completely gets like goes away, turns around, and like t- gives his back to him. It makes no sense. You would never see that from a Luthez. You'd never see that from a Vern Gagne. You wouldn't wouldn't see that from a Tully Blanchard. They would always be on the guy. Mm-hmm. So those chops, those chops weren't. They're like, of course, chops have sounds. So people are kind of dumb. They like buy into the sound of chops right more so than uh, actual work i feel but like why wouldn't you i don't understand why you would come in you'd be heated that he tried to cheat his way by uh giving you the victory where you couldn't win the title and then try to leave the ring and then you would just come in the ring and just give him a couple chops in the chest Mm-hmm. Like, like at least boot him, at least give him a boot to the stomach, like work over like an Austin style mud hole stomp. If you're not hitting the head, right. This stuff is all hindsight again, but like, even when you're attacking him there and then you turn around and face away and then you come back into him, of course, he's going to cut you off. Of course he is. Like you've just made that look so like, so predetermined. And so like, no, everybody knows that. So mm-hmm. 
that's my that's my my two cents on that like it bothered like watching this match over i was like oh man but i would never have noticed that even five years ago well no i would have five years ago <laughs> but it, when i first watched this match i wouldn't have noticed that i would have just watched these guys because i really enjoy both their work but as i get older as i get better at this as i understand this more as i want this thing to grow and make more money there and to keep people in awe of it like why would you it makes no sense yeah so anyways, he, that stupid thing where he turned his back to him, he came back into him, he's trying to fire up the crowd, which makes no sense to me. You're going for a title. He just knocked out the referee, so he's trying to cheat. So I wouldn't turn my back on a human being. That goes against all psychology whatsoever. Then he starts uh, – it gets turned around, so now he's just going to work some heat over. And he works over his arm really solid. Nigel's really, really well known for doing some great work on the arm. Ooh, I love this, by the way. Mm -hmm where he buckles, he uh, braces his arm in the back of the buckle and then comes in with that European. That's some good stuff. I got to find out what kind of hair gel he's using because that hair is still top-notch. Uh, that hair will stay top-notch, my friend, <laughs> the whole time. I do solid. believe it's that, uh, that uh, what is it, like uh, hair glue stuff that they yeah. use? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's I, what I want to find out. They, I... I want to talk to Dave Krasak too. Like you're going to shit on my hairstyle when I had that blonde mohawk back in, what was it? My, with that Tyler Black match in yeah. 2010 or whatever, or 2009, whatever it was, you're going to shit on my hair and Nigel McGuinness has got that hair. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Get out of here. Here's another, that's a sweet spot as well. I love the, I love the slow work by McGinnis. He knows how to twist people around, use that whole ring as a weapon, um, but use it in a grapply way, which is great. It's a very Fit Binley thing. Fit was great about uh, understanding the mechanics of using all aspects of the ring, like using the apron to catch a guy and twisting a guy in the ropes and twisting them in the buckles and stuff like that. So that's, I like that stuff. That's solid stuff. Mm -hmm. of course uh, daniel bryan was great oh sweet look at that bump that's a dirty bump that's a great bump um it was great it was a great sell he could he could sell all day he was such a great sell okay we're coming up to number two on tyson's um so we've seen two mistakes we've seen nigel walk away from him we've seen uh danielson walk away from him now everybody kids if you're learning this business and you want to succeed in this business, there's few things that will psychologically uh, bring your game down quite a bit. So, as you can see, Nigel McGuinness has uh, Brian Danielson all twisted, all twisted up, nowhere to go in the center of the ring with that hold with his arms and then pulling on his chin and wrapping his other arm. He couldn't go anywhere. So what does Nigel do? Because he can't get to the ropes, he can't move. He has to let go of the hold. That makes zero sense. Don't let go of the hold. If, if it means, like, for something cool, you're going to wrap a guy's whole body up and then have him in the center, but then you have to let go to get into the next spot, then don't do it. Don't, do, don't wrap them all the way up or have them close to the ropes where you can get the ropes. Don't put them in the center and let go. Don't let go of your holes because now you've just made professional wrestling a work. Now it's not professional wrestling anymore. Great kick, by the way. That's the end of that rant. Right. Well, you could explain that? that a little more. So that's because the reason being, if it's a submission type hold, why would you let go of it until the guy? Why would you? Up if he why can't would get you let go? He, right. If he can't get out, if he can't move, why would? Why wouldn't you just stay there all day? Yeah. Why wouldn't you stay there all day? If you have a time limit, you're the champ, and already you try to cheat your way out and get out easy, why wouldn't you just hold him in that hold until the bell rang? Right. Just a time limit draw. You and know, we there, all know that it's... Is there like a reversal available there, or is it just you got to put that no, on closer to the ropes? No. You know who was... Uh, like, when we used to chain wrestle at Can-Am Wrestling, uh, Johnny Devine, who was a part of Team Canada in TNA was um, also there. Like he would uh, train there as well. And Johnny used to take the, the young kids and twist them all into knots and put them in these holds where he'd have their leg and then he'd have both arms and then a chin. 
And it would look really cool, these pretzel-like maneuvers that he'd put them in. But then, uh, and then I'd always get on him. I'm like, yeah, that's a great move, but is he going to, is that it? Is that the end of your chain? Are you done? Well, no, we're like, and then he'd let go and then he'd go into something else. And like, well, that was dumb and useless because if you're not, if he's not going to tap or if he's not going to give up or he can't get to the ropes and you have to uh, like voluntarily let go of them, it makes no sense to me now. That makes no sense. So you've now taken professional wrestling and made it fake after all, like the amount of beating you guys do on each other. Uh, and the amount of uh, damage you put your bodies through because these guys really go hard and they hit hard and it's very competitive and they take very hard bumps and very high risk stuff uh, that, but you're still taking me out a little bit out of the element by letting go of stuff if that makes any yeah. sense yeah i get you because you're totally safe if you've got a guy in a hole you can't move you're in no danger at all so letting go puts you in more danger just by default just by default and then you like you just you don't want to win. <laughs> you don't want to right. win. You're just going to, yeah, it's ridiculous. But if you watch now, we're going to watch um, later on, we'll watch a Vern and it's going to be longer. So we'll save it for a podcast. We'll probably split that podcast up into two uh, Vern Gagne versus uh, Luthez. And they, they will stay in a friggin' headlock, but in a constructive and brilliant way where they're always working, always moving. And you're always wondering what the outcome is going to be. Um, and it's it's a totally different game, but they don't let go of stuff. The, those guys would never ever let go of anything. Of course, we're going to have a little battle on the outside. Of course, you if you notice, Ryan is still not doing anything to his head. He's not smashing his head. He's getting the fans going right there. Is fine if you want to fire up. That's a great place to fire up because uh, Nigel McGinnis just doing Nigel McGinnis things, um, being a heel and then getting over on him. Of course, when I came on the scene uh, with ROH, they had already banned uh, doing stuff like this with the crowd. They're like, Try, do not jump or throw yourselves or throw somebody else on the fans because they've already they had so many incidences of damage and stuff. Uh -huh. Crazy, crazy high risk right there. Crazy yeah. high risk for both parts. And those hard chairs, those aren't folding chairs. Those are legit chairs. Those are legit, like, uh, um, what are they called? It's like a like banquet hall chair. I don't know what you banquet call it. Banquet hall Yes, yeah. that's it. That's it. Like, they're not folding um, chairs. That's not breaking down. That's... And they're, they're unforgiving. They're yeah. so hard, heavy and hard. Yes, they're unforgiving. Um, so that's, that's just brilliant. Like, that's, that's a high-risk maneuver by Danielson, and that's a high-risk for McGinnis to catch. That's like that's a big distance. That's a g big jump, and I don't care what size you are. When you're jumping on a guy on the other side of the guardrail with all those chairs around, you take a real risk, both of you. So kudos to that one. Oh, sweet catch! Mr. Dropkick is caught. Oh, nice! Look at that counter into a counter. Gets him in a triangle now. See, there's the MMA kind of stuff that uh, they used as ROH as well that I really like. They, like, they would blend a little bit more stuff. Mm -hmm. There it is. He, see, he swears at him there. He's like, fuck you. You know what I mean? He's saying some choice words because uh, that roaring clothesline that he hits him with, he hits him right across the jaw. Um, of course, he's with Raph checking on him. Like what, just from experience, what type of, what would you say to a guy in that situation? Like back off or what? Like, uh, well, was intentional? uh, just careless. Yeah. It's absolutely careless. Just a careless freaking clothesline. And it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary to hit a dude right in the cross the face, unless you're Stan Hansen and blind as a bat <laughs> and, and you're Stan Hansen and it's your finish, you know, yeah. Stan yeah. Hansen, you only, you don't kick out of a Stan Hansen clothesline. Whereas mm -hmm. these guys, we've got another, what, 10 minutes to put in. So that's, that's a, that's a brutal frigging shot to take in the face. So I'm sure he's just checking on his teeth and stuff like that. And the referees just check in on him. And then he's probably asking the ref, like, am, am I all right? Does everything look okay? Uh -huh. It's a whole lot of different things. This, uh, that takeout doesn't look great because obviously uh, Danielson is still kind of messed up. Then this is what people don't understand and need to respect about pro wrestling. The show must go on. So anytime you're at a show and you see, 
these guys performing, there's a good chance that they've been hurt at some point. And here we are. And this is where um, that when you stiff somebody, kids, when you think it's cool to like hit, hit a little bit harder, it's not Japanese style, by the way, because uh, I've wrestled in Japan and those guys were light as a feather with me. So um, they're not stiff. So wherever you get that in your head, it's because they're really good at pro wrestling. Um, so if you believe that uh, Japanese style or strong style is about stiffing a guy in the face, then obviously you're actually a mark. You know, I never use the term mark um, because I don't believe in the term mark. I believe fans know what they pay for now. You're not trying to grift them out of money. But if you uh, believe that Japanese wrestling is that much stiffer than what we do over here, um, you're ridiculous. So you are in, in turn, you're the mark. So uh, as you can see, though, as they're going into holds here, uh, they're doing some work. It's nice. We, we can talk about it. He stiffs them with that clothesline. He knocks, his, uh, knocks them a little loopy so their next spot doesn't look as clean, the, the beal out of the ropes, and then he goes for that suicide dive, and he only goes haphazardly. He's only going at half speed. And then watch McGinnis come up with that European uppercut and barely touch him. He didn't touch him. Mm -hmm. because he like because he just stiffed them so now he's worried about them because he stiffed them with a careless clothesline and now he's like oh god i don't want to hit him again in the face because he's already kind of rattled so then be, with a stiff careless move uh i don't care what it is could be a punch could be a chop could be anything which is done now is broken down the trust so then the work isn't going to be as clean now it's not going to be as solid and you could tell right there that spot wasn't great. Yeah, goes for his finished clothesline. Uh, see again. See he's like, and this is what I've noticed on this take takeaway of it. That clothesline spot after that clothesline spot, uh, Danielson is not. And give him credit, and give him the like. He's got some kind of heart, man. He's got some balls to do what he does and take those kind of bumps right there, like that clothesline off the top. But he's hurt. He's still, he's still hurt. So it's st he's still shaking the cobwebs. And we've all been there. It's not like um, no wrestler has been hurt. Everyone, if you're in pro wrestling, you've been hurt in there and had to push through. But you could tell that he's it, the timing's a little off. His legs are a little heavy. He's a little sluggish. And you could tell by the way McGinnis is working with him now. McGinnis is lightening up, and but it's a little too light now, as you could tell. Mm -hmm. So it's just food for thought, man. You want to make this like this business look really good. You gotta. It's the idea of look like you're hurting people, but not actually hurting people. That's the magic of it. Yep. That's what makes it so great. That's uh. uh um, Nigel McGinnis is one of his submission finishes right there. I believe he won the world title with that finish. He's got that top arm bar into a uh, camel clutch position, which is friggin' rad. What a great move. Uh, of course, he gets to the ropes. He has him better, better situated there this time. I don't know where McGinnis busted his head. Could have been on that London Tower, that, uh, that face drop on the floor where he, maybe they collided with heads. Mm-hmm. That's a sweet little takedown reversal out of it, out of his submission into a pin. Really well done. Well executed. Danielson still messed up. I don't know why McGinnis is selling so hard. He just took a pin. This is nice. Chaos theory. Whammo. Doug Williamson. That's a Doug Williamson from uh, um, the UK. He's a great performer. We were supposed to tag for a while in TNA. Just got it got kiboshed, but that rolling Oklahoma roll up into, uh, um, or I mean, uh, O'Connor roll up into a uh, German suplex is such a sweet move. Yep. Takes a lot of skill. takes a lot of work to be able to pull that off. That's because an O'Connor roll up is not easy. There we go. See, as, as you can tell, the storyline is here where he's just going to battle with them and he's just not going to hit him in the face. He's going to hit him in the stomach. Boom. Of course, McGinnis is going to take advantage of that because he's the big dirty heel. He's going to be hitting him in the throat, hitting him all over the place because he don't care. Off he comes. Boom. Kicks to the back. You notice it's still in the back. It's not in the head. These are really – these. now that we're getting into high-risk stuff again, a back suplex off the top rope. 
is not not for the faint of heart and a lot of things can go wrong mostly on the part of over rotating a guy where he could spike himself you got to be very very careful careful on this I find that uh, Danielson was the best at it like Danielson and Chris Benoit I think were the best where they'd land a guy flat every time see mm-hmm. that perfect Perfect. The like momentum will take you across. So momentum will make you roll, but that's a perfect bump. That's taking care of a dude right there. Here we go. Cattle mutilation coming up. He's got him. Got him in the center. That's an also a great uh, submission hold. I enjoyed that submission a lot. That's a. Uh, there's a like uh, it's it's such good stuff. Like there's a lot of a lot of great stuff. There's just a little bit of psychology stuff that is missing, and I think that's just from being they're younger guys here. These are yeah. young guys. This, this same Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan or well, Daniel Bryan would not make these same uh, type mistakes in the ring. He's such a seasoned guy now. He understands his business, and he was great back then. And I thought he was great. Just as you get older and you get more perspective on how to make things better. You learn. Yeah. Tiger suplex. Now, look, and this used to be Danielson's thing with the elbows, and he'd rail a guy in the side of the head, in the head, and but instead he, he's chosen to do it to the body and then into the arm bar. That's freaking sweet. He's got him right down. It's like this is – I love this kind of stuff too, Scotty. You don't see enough submissions. You don't see guys actually put a, apply a hold on a guy and uh, stay there, stay in that position. You don't see it very often. Yeah. That's a sweet little roll through, but right into his triangle. Oh, look at this. See, he's going to elbow him in the head. That would be a Daniel Bryan thing, but he's not going to. He's not going to do it because he's still a code of honor. He's super baby face here, guys. That's super baby face maneuver. He could have this one a uh, hundred times now with just uh, clocking him in the head, but he won't. He won't do it. He has too much pride, uh, too much honor. So that's it's neat. It's neat to see like a subtle story like that. I like yeah. stuff like that. Of course, these guys are like will milk this stuff way more, and I love that stuff too because like if you can get stuff out, if you can get the most out of a submission hold. That, that looks real like that just makes everything look better if you watch mma and you're not like like doing the breathing through your teeth thing when someone gets uh like an arm breaker on like an arm bar on a guy then like you're just not you just don't understand you don't understand combat type uh grappling so mm-hmm. like any of those kind of situations is so cool because these guys actually will take the time with it yep might even be more effective nowadays because MMA's educated people on how how uh, dangerous submission holds can be. You know what? You could be right, Scotty. You could be right. People so respect he's asking more. for the yeah. yes. They're, now they're going to ask for a count. He's going to ask for a count. Which, uh, if if you can see McGinnis's cell, that's not the cell. You wouldn't have your arms if you got punched in the stomach so bad that your ribs were busted or you're uh, out of breath or like if you got a liver punch in there, you're not having your arms up in the air mm-hmm. and there it is there we're going we're coming in the home stretch here guys because and the referee or the commentators made sure to mention oh he hit him with a headbutt so the the part where he was trying to stay away from the whole time uh here's mcginnis doing all of it he's doing all these headbutts big back kick here we go off those ropes flying like uh, like off the ropes into a headbutt so he's using the he's he's totally taking advantage of the the goodwill of one Brian Danson, which makes makes him look like a just such a jerk, right? <laughs> yeah. So was that illegal in the Ring of Honor at this time? Or yes, it was yeah, totally no, it was legal. It's totally legal. But the the idea was uh, Danielson was staying away from his head right. because he had previous injury and conditions, and so. Uh, Najah McGinnis, who is totally fine, has totally taken advantage uh, of him not attacking his head like at least a hundred times. Yeah. Here's a big clothesline that's a little bit nicer. He catches him in a better spot there. I guess um, what I was getting if it's not illegal, why was the ref stopping him from going and getting him after that? Right, right, right. And I think all it was is mostly initial shock. I guess it's to really put across the point that that was 
that's kind of actually what sealed, yeah that's what kind of the sealed the deal of uh brian danielson's fate in this match because uh, that right there as he puts him in the submission hold uh is the finish this is where we're coming to the end of this thing where he's passed out and that is it like not a tap out because you got to keep him strong you gotta keep but like no the story wise uh, we've made Brian Danielson still look like a million dollars and he's still the greatest guy. Even if he didn't win the cha- championship, he's more of a champ than McGinnis ever will be with that kind of motion, with that kind of yeah. um, selling, selling that stuff the way he did. Unbelievable. Like just that, like such great promise. There's just a few things in that match that kind of drive me a little insane. Um, and as you could t- as you could, as you could see, um, by what I mean about like just silly stuff. Like, don't walk away from an opponent. Don't do that. That's silly. That makes no sense. Or don't let go of a hold if you have a hold. Or if you're going to let go or have him get to the ropes, don't tie him all the way up so you have to let go of stuff. So there's a few points in there that I'm sure uh, would have been changed along the lines, but that's, that's for the most – that's it in a nutshell, my friend. Not a bad match, though. Yeah, no, that was – enjoyable match for sure one thing i noticed that you kind of talk about often is like they started slow had a good pace uh, and built up like the there wasn't many what i would call high risk spots until at least halfway through the match when you had the first like dive through the ropes and then the off the top rope stuff but for the first 10 minutes of that match it was all just simple stuff on the ground yeah, it's and and that's the way it should. And then I think Andre was the one that used to talk about that. Andre used to be one of the best guys for like guys would get in the ring and they'd want to get right into it and lock up and stuff. And Andre would be like, "Hey, boss," because they called everybody boss, I guess. He say he would say like, "Hey, boss, they come to watch us, so let's give them their money's worth." And he would just take his time, even locking up. He just take his time with everything, and that's it's so smart. Another one in the books. What else you want to? Uh, anything else you want to mention that didn't come up during the match? Um, you know what? Brian Danielson's one of those guys, or Daniel Bryan is one of those guys that I would have enjoyed to work with. I still feel as though that would have been a a great uh, would have been a great one to work with. Uh, but you know, just just a solid, solid dude. Nigel McGuinness, of course, is a commentator now. He does a very good job. He's very educated and solid. Um, on commentary for the UK NXT, solid dude. Um, his career was kind of sh- cut short there, but uh, just uh, just talented dudes, like super talented dudes. Uh, great match, especially when you don't really have um, a, like overly experienced guys uh, giving you what they want. So you don't have um, the agents like Dean Malenko or um, – uh, any of the older gentlemen that are know so much or have 25 years, like Arne Anderson's Tully Blanchers, you don't have them uh, overseeing your match or you don't, you don't get to ask them questions of how to make things go better. Um, it's usually just those two. So that shows a real mature, mature setting with these two guys at the time. Like that's a, that's a real maturity that comes uh, later on in your career, which they showed a lot of it in there. So it's pretty solid. Right on. Um, I got a question for you that I saw on Twitter, just kind of off topic. Um, there it is. Sean Ryder. Sean Ryder 27 mentioned this. Uh, 18 years ago today, Grand Rapids, Michigan. What were you doing in Grand Rapids 18 years ago? Oh, man. I was the Halloween special of Halloween specials. Um, it was my first actual on-air taping with WWE. So it's not only my match with Chavo Guerrero that they'll be talking about um, on the Twitter feed saying that that I wrestled him and Jimmy Corderas was my referee. But this is the first time I went from doing just dark matches to doing an actual um, velocity match. That's my first velocity match is with Chavo Guerrero. And it was, of course on this date so we're nearing halloween Hmm. so the um the things that people don't know about wrestling is chavo guerrero took care of this young kid um had no time to talk to me at all uh we just went over the finish when he came to the back uh just before we went up there 
because we had uh, he had so many different skits and things and um, things to do for the main show of SmackDown. They were doing the SmackDown show and it was the Halloween special. So there was a ton of costume changes where he was, I believe he was a pirate or I don't know. There were a whole bunch of different, like Eddie was there and Chris was there and like a bunch, like the, such a talented group of human beings um, wrestling. And he was wearing a costume and, had, and he came to me and he's wearing this costume. He says, I got to go do this thing. Uh, we'll get together if we can. Don't worry about it. I said, no problem, man. I'm, I, you know, I like in my head, I was kind of shitting my pants a bit because it would be my first time on TV. But I also knew that I was in good hands with Chavo. It was like not an issue. So Chavo went and did his thing. And then we just went out there and did it. All I knew is the Brain Buster was going to be a finish. And um, even then, he didn't even have to. We could have just went into it. I would have been fine. And that matches his all call. That, that's all Chavo, just in ring, telling me what to do every second of, the, every second of wow. it for six minutes. I do believe it's six minutes long and it's awesome. It's well, it's not awesome. Like you could tell that I'm young and I'm uh, very inexperienced and stuff like that, but I have a lot of charisma and I can sell, I will sell my ass off and a lot of fine, fine points that they just kept bringing me back for. But it was the Halloween special that uh, um, was the best time ever, man. I just uh, getting in there with a young kid and, had Chavo Guerrero beat the hell out of me. It was nice. great. So does he have an understanding of what you can do in the ring, or is it just a given at that time? Anybody that's there can has a certain skill set that they can pull stuff off. He, he doesn't know. He doesn't know right. anything. He just knows that I'm a young, young, small kid. Because my area of expertise, and always has been, is wrestling, to wrestle. I'm better at wrestling than anything else. Uh, like, I've thrown maybe – five drop kicks in my whole entire life. I don't do drop yeah. kicks. I'm like, I'm very heavy. I'm a dense human being. I know I don't look it in this tape. I'm not a big dude, but I'm a dense, dense human being. So to get up in the air for me is extreme effort. <laughs> so there's a spot where he sits on the ropes and he says, drop kick. And I said, no. And he goes, drop kick. <laughs> and then you can see that we're having an argument. If you go back and watch the tape, it is on YouTube, I believe. If you watch it, he'll sit on the ropes and he'll, he'll, he'll say, hey, do you want out? Do you want out? In that spot there, he's not saying, do you want out? He says, drop kick me, drop kick me. And I'm like, no. And then he keeps doing it. I'm like, well, here's the shittiest drop kick of all time, buddy. <laughs> so, and like, just little things like that. Like, I'm not, I, that's not my wheelhouse. And then he learns that through doing that one spy, because my comeback, I don't have to do any more drop kicks where I imagine if, if the drop kicker was solid, he would have asked for a lot more in my comeback. So it just goes to show my friend that it just it, like, if you're smart enough if, and you've been at this long enough and you know what you're doing, like you'll make a guy look good without making him look like a, you know, pile of shit. And that's what Chavo did. He took care of me, he took real good care of me, him and Jimmy did. Nice. The uh, he was one of the highlights to me of watching that Dark Side of the Ring, the episode that we talked about last week. Um, he just comes across as a genuine good guy, Chavo. Unbelievable dude, like just a genuine. And we still uh, we still talk on occasion, um, and just chat a little bit there here and there, just keeping up because social media makes it so easy for everybody to just kind of get along and chat it up a bit. It's also a terror, you know, how social media can be awful and negative and stuff like that. But there's also some good that comes out. Oh, of absolutely, it. absolutely. It's, there's some, a lot of good that comes out of any uh, any stories of Jimmy Corderas you got off the top of your head. Jimmy Corderas is, uh, I do believe, the first referee at WWE that I made do the dance. Right? <laughs> he asked me, I don't know how it went, if he asked me if he could do it or if I asked him if he would do it, but it was on a dark match because uh, like, that's the only way he'd be able to do it. He'd lose his job, I'm sure, if he did it on TV. But um, it was a dark match, I believe. Uh, it was Larry Destiny and one uh, Kizarni, uh, the WWE's uh, former clown, uh, Kizarni Sinbodi, against me and my partner at the time, Mark Bartolucci. We used to tag all the time. And we finished that match out. Me and Mark went over, and I did, I did my stupid little dance that uh, everybody loved. 
And then I turned around to walk out and Jimmy did it behind me. And then I turned around because I thought I saw something. Of course, Jimmy stops dancing and is checking on the guys. <laughs> and of course, the, the crowd loved it. I, th- I believe we were back at ACC for that one, Air Canada Center. Nice. And it was just, it was a good moment. It was a really good moment. Uh, a lot of fun. And Jimmy's always been one of those top notch, like top, top notch referees. Uh, and uh, it was just, it's sad to see uh, good referees uh, retire with uh, referees out there uh, that should actually learn from his, his work and how, how good he would take care of both uh, performers in ring and keep communication open and how he would go about making his stuff look real and make our stuff look real. Uh, Completely missing, completely missing from today's professional wrestling. Like even Jimmy's still great. At one point he told me uh, I was doing a spot and I do believe it was for smash wrestling I was working for. And Jimmy was the referee there. And then I told him a spot and that we were thinking of doing and then he says, well, that's all right, but it's going to make me look kind of like I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm like, oh, and then I apologize profusely because you just, when you're planning stuff, sometimes you just get in your head and you don't think about all moving parts. And usually I'm the guy for all moving parts, but uh, on that day, I just kind of brain farted on it. And then Jimmy's was not like not aggressive about it not being a jerk about it just said hey is there any way we can so i don't look like a complete imbecile and it was an easy fix it was an easy fix and it was easy to get to but that's just his he's he's very good at his job he knows where his place is and he knows where our place should be and where they should be with him it just makes for a better makes for better professional wrestling that's what it's all about the uh, i that's what it's yeah, all about i enjoy his ref and wrestling Twitter when he posts them, those are quite enjoyable. It's just nice to always hear from somebody who's been in the business for so long and it's clear that he knows what he's talking about. So it's uh Yeah, you know what? And and here's the thing too. He's not doing that for like uh attention or for people to like for him to shit on stuff for the attention sake. Jimmy is strictly there, and I'll throw this out there because a lot of dudes will uh will have attacked Jimmy in the past and like attacked his character and what he's saying. The dude is just coming across to make professional wrestling better. They're, like he's re- a retired WWE referee. He doesn't have to do it anymore. He doesn't have to do these rants if he doesn't want to. It's not like he's making any money off these things. All he's trying to do is to educate to make our business better because our business has gone to shit. Our business sucks. And if anybody looks at the current product of professional wrestling and thinks otherwise, you're, you're completely out of your goddamn mind. If you don't think that wrestling isn't this, uh, like, oh, it's improved. No, it hasn't. If you think this business has evolved, it is not. It is not. It's not the same as it used to be. It doesn't draw anything. There's no money in it. You need fireworks and big screen TVs to make it work now. And you need all the stunt stuff and you need all the costumes you need. You need contacts and makeup and all this nonsense instead of getting to the brass tacks of what we do. And that's professional wrestling. So if somebody with that much experience and that much time on the road with that many experienced people, there's so much knowledge that he has. And if you can't, if you disrespect him online, you're dead to me. I don't care who you are i don't care who you, who you think you are in this business because all he's doing is not centering you out to make you look bad because if you feel bad about it obviously you're guilty about something you're guilty that you made this business worse and jimmy's only here to make this business better or at least preserve it for you young spoiled punks that have no idea what you're talking about or what you're doing in this business so just take that for the grain of salt when, when you see these old guys, these quote-unquote old guys out here just trying to uh, – it's not like back in my day. They're not giving you that rant. They're done with the business. They've been in it. They've made their money. They've moved on. But all they're trying to do is preserve it for you jerks to make it better. And instead, you insult them. You know, like I've seen a few, a few things where I'm like, no, nah, I'm just not even going to bother attacking myself because then it, like everybody online is just going to attack for the sake of attacking given the whole Mike Tyson thing that social media has given everybody the chance to talk shit without the threat of getting punched in the face, unfortunately. 
Well, I don't think it's going to get any better than that on this episode. So we will end it here. Um, if you are listening on YouTube, leave us any comments, feedback down below. Uh, you can hit Tyson on Twitter at Tyson Dukes. You can email us hammerlockpodcast at gmail.com with any suggestions, feedback, uh, things you want to see, any upcoming matches you want to get, uh, you want us to do watch alongs of anything like that. Follow Tyson on YouTube as well, where these are posted. Just make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell. As I'm sure you see a lot of wrestling tutorials coming out and there's going to be a lot more coming out. So keep an eye out for that type of stuff. And until next time, we will catch you later.